ready, my friend? No. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and I am very excited to start off today's show because it is a very cold, snowy day here in Cleveland, Ohio. But you don't have to be living in Cleveland, Ohio to be running with Alana and Laz. Um, And I'm learning more and more every time we get together here on Thursday mornings. In fact, this is the last Thursday morning we're doing it. As of next week, uh, 3 to 4 is our new time slot. And maybe Alana will be more wide awake. (laughs) (laughs) I got my coffee in hand. Got your coffee in hand. Uh, Give us a little bit of background, Alana. Last week you ran in the cold tundra of Sandusky, Ohio. I did. I ran my first half marathon on Sunday uh, in blizzardy, wintry, cold, windy, icy, slushy uh, wind tunnel. So, yes, and, uh, and I'm finally thawing out a little bit, so it was, it was a, I would like to say it was a good time. It was um, an experience that I'm glad that I attempted, so in your room with our friend Meg? I did, well, for most of it, until she blew me out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you both went to the race we together. We both went to the race together. We both started together. I think I lost her about mile five, so... <laughs> And I sort of saw your husband at the finish line with you, but he didn't run. No, he didn't run. He uh, sat in the heated car and waited for us. So, um. You should have taken the keys from him so he couldn't start it. <laughs> Say, <laughs> well, no, no heat for me, no heat for you, buddy. That, that was awfully nice of him. Yeah. And your daughter Lily was there, and she's here today. So your kids were all there rooting no, you on? No, they weren't there. Oh, they too, weren't there? Yeah, it was too cold for the kids. So oh. To wait. So they went and spent the night at Grandma's house. Ah. Um, and had a good time over there. So. They okay. slept in while Mom was running, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cheering me on from afar. It was a bit, it was a bit too cold for, for all the kids to wait. Wow. Well, time, so. well I, I can understand that. Yeah. So and when is your next one? I don't have one um, planned in a, a next race. I, I would like to do the Cleveland Half Marathon, possibly. I know nice. that that um, benefits Prayers for Maria, which is a cause that's very dear to both my heart and Meg's, of course. So um, I think that's the one, next one that she has planned for us. But I, I'll probably do some 5Ks and stuff in there. But that'll be the next half marathon, I think. Well, it probably couldn't get any worse with the temperature. So <laughs> you I know. the Cleveland Half can get pretty nasty yeah. It can be but all over the board. I really, really, really enjoy uh, Cleveland running. I learned that when NewClevelandRadio.net sent me to the Turkey Trot, um, how much I really love running downtown. So um, nice. that's a course that excites me, which I think, even if the weather is bad. Right, but it can't get any worse. I think right. yeah, my next half marathon. It could, but. <laughs> my next half marathon is bound to be a PR because yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, so early right. at the swap. Well, I want you to know that Liz did the nicest thing for me last week. So even though I couldn't run or walk in the turkey trot, I do have a T-shirt from it. And I'm, every time I go to walk on the treadmill now, I wear it. And everybody looks at me like, did you do the turkey trot? And it's like, no, but I'm preparing for it next year. I would have said, that's right. Exactly. I would have said, sure, I got a shirt to prove it. So... 
Can somebody introduce us to our guest? We have an honored guest with us. <laughs> we have running royalty here <gasps> in the studio. Wait a second. He's not wearing a crown. He's only wearing sunglasses on his head. <laughs> if you have been in running in Northeast Ohio, actually, you know, not just Northeast Ohio, but that's where I know Nils Antonio from. Um, you know, my first experience with Nils or seeing Nils run was actually, and I actually have the copy of the race results here from that particular race. Back in February 21st, 1993, we did a, a four-mile race called Set the Pace Winter Race. And it was, it was an out and back, so you got to see the leaders coming through. And all I remember is that day, there was probably about five inches of snow on the ground. Now, for me, it wasn't bad because, you know, I'm middle of the pack, so the snow was kind of like stomped out at that point. But, you know, looking at the turn, here comes the leader and who other than Nils Antonio. And his time for that race, he was actually 29 at the time. 2017 for four miles so and in about four inches of snow because he's leading the pack so he's got to push the snow out of the way. so yeah absolutely you know fantastic time so but that was i almost didn't run that race really i was gonna say that's not worth it well, you you know, because in the day, I remember you winning a lot of the races. So, And I also have, happen to have a copy of the race results here from the Revco Cleveland Marathon, 1993. And who finished number, let's see, number 19, Nils Antonio, 228.46 out of 1,000 runners back in 1993 i'm not sure nils if that was your first marathon that you ever did but that was a that was a phenomenal time with the world-class people that actually come into that that race that was my third third because i was now i graduated from uh college and i moved down to florida and i was training down there See, 93. I was averaging two marathons a year, so that, that was maybe my fifth, sixth marathon. Nice. By then. Uh, no, 228 wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't a PR for me. Uh, my first marathon I ran was Revco. I was still at BW and ran three hours. And like you had said previously, that first part of the race, because you're covered by the buildings, I took off and I was running with the leaders, a complete novice to the marathon. And by mile 13, I'd run like one hour and 10 minutes, thinking, oh, yeah, I'm on pace with a 220. <laughs> Blew up on the second half of the race. And uh, next thing you know, I'm walking, wow. and running. One of the gentlemen uh, who used to work for Hermes, it used to be a shoe store before they split off and became Hermes Race Systems. Uh, his name is Steve Nancoon. He was paced riding with me on a bike. I said, I'm hungry. <laughs> and then we sent him to McDonald's. <laughs> he grabbed me an Egg McMuffin sandwich. I ate that thing and then finished the race. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Wait a second. You were running and eating? Yes, running and eating. As runners, we could do that sometimes. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm looking forward to running. Yeah. Really, really. Well, it's probably not a good thing to eat Egg McMuffin. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I was, again, a complete novice, very first, not listening to my coach at the time, who was my college coach, because uh, the goal is your very first marathon is just to finish, not even to uh, attempt running any kind of 
timed race. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I literally end up running backwards, walking and running. Uh, and yeah, I just remember eating at, at the egg McMuffin and uh, saying, "Oh, that tastes good." <laughs> <laughs> Finished running the race, uh, and then I was still in college, and I, I, I couldn't walk for the next three days. Oh. I remember walking down backwards on the steps because my thighs were just oh, hurting so bad. I couldn't even go to the bathroom. That was a that was a disaster. So, <laughs> yeah. So anybody out there planning the first marathon, just just finish. That's all you need to do right. is just worry about finish. After that first one, then you can figure out a, a time. I agree with you because boy, when I ran my first marathon, which was the toe to toe back in 1993, I had nobody to kind of give me any advice on how to run a marathon, what to prepare for. It rained for the first 10 miles in October, and, you know, I was wearing this cloth shirt or whatever, and, you know, the bad thing about it is they kind of tell you as, you know, women and men, make sure that you cover up this area. I know you can't see it, but cover up that area with something, because it was raining. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, make sure you put some, you know, Vaseline or some type of cream in between your legs, because you're rubbing back and forth, and... The first time I sat down in a hot bath, it was not good news. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I learned after that. I've only done two marathons, but I learned after that one. But it's always good to, I mean, these days you've got so many things that you can read out there now to help you with that. But, you know, even when we did those races back then, you go by the table and all they really had was was water, maybe some Gatorade. There was no goo, you know, goo, um, those little gel packs and things like they have at all these races now. You don't even have to carry that stuff. It was just, you know, as one of the elite athletes, you had your special drink or whatever. And well, I've so. had my special drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your McMuffin. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting as you talk about uh, racing and preparing to race, um, what you probably don't know is that I'm now – preparing for a 5k i'm doing couch to 5k and um so i just started indoor walking and walking on the treadmill and nobody suggested that my first walking on the treadmill should only be 30 minutes so i went in and i said i'm gonna do an hour and my first time an hour felt great um my second time i waited an extra i took a day off i went in my second day to do my walk and it was a very cold morning. Um, and knowing my bladder, I figured, well, I'm not going to drink anything because, you know, I'm chilled. And I wasn't even on the treadmill even five minutes. And one of the trainers walked over and he said, I need you to get off the treadmill. And I thought, well, that's sort of weird. Like, what did I do wrong? And he said, your gait is off and I believe that you may be dehydrated. And I said, Like, you barely know me. What is this all about? And he asked me when I last had fluid. And I said, probably about two hours ago. He said, you didn't bring anything in with you. And I said, no, it's sitting in the car. He said, I want you to go out and get your water or whatever you brought with you, which was water with electrolytes. And he said, I want you to drink some of that right now. And the difference in me walking after drinking four ounces was totally different. But I also realized I couldn't walk an hour that day. After 40 minutes, I had to give myself permission that it was okay to change my training. Um, When you started training, did you give yourself permission to 
make changes in your training that if you couldn't do something, it was okay not to? I, I think one of, one of the blessings I've had is that I, I never get caught up in the details. I never get caught up in, in, in the training. Uh, when, I, when I coach and I, and I have a meeting with the parents, I tell them there's, there's going to be days that your young athlete is not wanna, doesn't want to come to practice and don't bring them to practice. Uh, and that's because mentally they're already checked out. So now if, if you force them to come to practice physically, they don't want to be there. And, and you, they're just, it's a fighting battle between their brain and the rest of their body. There were days that when I was training for the Olympics, and I had a full-time job. So I was, I was the consummate amateur. I mean, I was, I was a husband. At the time I had my first child and, and I had a full-time job. So my first, first day started day was four o'clock in the morning. I go for my first run. Then I'd go, go to work and I come home and I do a workout. Sometimes I lace up my shoes. I'd get about a quarter mile from the house and turn around and come back. Wife would say, well, what's wrong? I said, I'm not feeling it. So that, that from an early onset, it's, it's been my mindset. You, you can't fight your body. And you can't find, fight your mind. It's, it's considering 90% of this sport is in your head. And you've got to push through, especially if you're training for a marathon. There's, there's times where your body's telling you, oh, I'm done, I'm done. And you, you, you've got to check yourself and get going again. So my, my current training schedule now is, is literally on the fly. It's based on how I feel when I step out the door within that first mile. I can tell how I feel, and then I'll, I'll do the workout. Uh, I don't schedule anything, uh, especially in this latter stage of my career. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're just getting started. <laughs> I, I don't bounce back like I used to. So, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, I go how I feel. Uh, as later on, later on in my training, it will get uh, more specific. But at this, this, what we call the base period, I'm, I'm just going how I feel. And, and based on that first mile, I'm either going to go five miles, six miles, seven or if I'm not feeling it at all, maybe two miles or one mile and then come home. I was going to ask you because, you know, for me, when I, I personally, when I'm out running, doing a race, you know, I'm not in great shape anymore. I mean, I used to be, but, you know, you're mile and a half into a 5K and your mind's kind of telling you, you know, I'm, I'm just not feeling good. You know, I've, I need to slow down. I need to do this. And, you know, a lot of times I slow down. You know, but I always wonder, do the elite athletes, and you know a lot of these people, do they feel the same way? You know, like Shailene Flanagan, who just won the New York City Marathon, at mile 20, do you, do you think she's kind of feeling that same way that, you know, I don't know if I could finish this, but they're just like so mentally trained, or Meb, or some of these other guys that, you know, I'm sure, are, I mean, they're running five-minute miles, like you, you know, doing four-mile or, you know, Five minute miles for a four mile race. What do you actually feel when you're when you're running? It's it's uh, it's like when someone hits a home run and they hit the sweet spot. As soon as they hit it, they know it's gone. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're going through the run. Actually, Meb struggled in the past New York City Marathon, and he had to regroup because it, it was his last. So he he wanted to finish. So he backed off. He knew that if he continued that way at the pace that he was going, he wasn't going to finish and have to pull off to the side, which that's what he didn't want to do, especially on his, his last marathon on the career that he's had. So it, you, you check yourself. The hardest part about when you check yourself and you back off is can you get going again? Because mm -hmm. the, the worst thing you can do in a marathon is to slow down because the muscles 
the muscles are so fatigued and they've gotten they've got such muscle memory in them at the pace that you're going that as soon as you back off they get comfortable with that pace and they don't want to go any further right. so it's it's always there's always a moment there was a there was a point in that race and if you watch the race with Shalane Flanagan I was like she's gonna win because her arms, her arms, her gait never changed. Her arms actually went from being high to dropping because she was completely relaxed while everybody else was getting tight. So, you know, she, she, she hit a point where she's like, wow, I'm feeling great. And then she also has to check herself, when do I go? Because I don't want to go too early or my body's going to shut down. Right. She had that yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I loved watching that. It, it it was it was a great it was a great great time to see see that. It's and and a lot of good things have been happening in the US with with the the distance running. Um no, oh, I just drew a blank. <laughs> Chicago. Chicago winner. What was his name? Oh. <laughs> Why did I draw a blank? I can Google that. Uh but him him winning uh, and then also this, I think this was only his third or fourth marathon. Uh, American? Yeah. Okay. Uh, his, his first marathon, his debut was the trials and actually ended up winning the trials. Yeah. Cause I remember, you know, a lot of those. Galen? Galen, Galen Rupp. Rupp. Yeah. Oh, okay. Galen Rupp. <laughs> Thank you. Galen Rupp. Oh, you gotta love technology. So Galen <laughs> Rupp. Uh, co- coached by about, about to Salazar, maybe one of the, the greatest marathoners, uh, that ranked up there in uh, for the U.S. and also, um, you know, had a phenomenal track career, and now he's made that transition to to the roads and the marathon, and he's 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 doing well, and he's mentally prepared. Uh, his training partner and one of my idols, Mo Farah, from from Great Britain, uh, you know, he's now quit running on the track, and he's now moving up to the marathon. So. They, they, they slowly prepared themselves, and I, I kind of did the same thing. Didn't have the lustrous career that they had, but I, I moved up from track up to, to the roads because when I got done with college, there wasn't an, a, another career in, on track for me because of where I was at sponsorship-wise. So, Do you think that, because I, I tend to see that a lot with the elite runners, they always have started off running shorter distances on the track and then kind of build themselves up to that. But a lot of times you see recreational runners, especially just start off just doing distance and not really doing much on the track. Do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on, even for a recreational runner, do you think it benefits them to get out and just maybe do some, you know, fast miles on the track and then kind of work into the distance? Yes. Because what happens, what happens when someone wants to, you know, they come to me and say, well, what do I need to do to, to run faster? Because I go out there and I run my 5K, 10K, or I just run every day. And there's no, there's no interval work. So they don't understand what, what the track work does. And nowadays, with, again, with technology, with a Garmin watch or a Timex watch or a Fitbit or any of those watches out there, you don't really need to go to the track anymore. If, as long as you can upload the, the program to the, to the watch, you, as long as you've got a clear piece of road, you can do your, your interval workout out on, the, on the roads. Um, but that, that is the basis for them to have a PR, a significant PR, mm-hmm. because they've, they've just been going through the motions. Now, what this interval, interval workout does is, again, get technical. It increases their max VO2. It helps to, to train the heart to pump uh, oxygen and blood more efficiently 
because again, the the heart is just the muscle, and just like all right. the other muscles, you start working that, and it, it becomes more efficient. Uh, then they'll see that at rest, they're burning more calories sitting down doing nothing based to a sedentary person that is sitting down doing metabolism nothing. keeps it, keeps right. rolling yeah and unfortunately as you get older your metabolism just <laughs> declines i could agree with you there yeah. <laughs> can't we all yeah. <laughs> yeah. but that's because even for me i don't do any speed work at all i mean all you know i but i did 50 races this year and that's has been my speed work is just doing races but I'm not getting any faster because I'm not giving myself those small doses of speed. And I know that. I know that in my mind that I'm really, unless I lose weight, I'm not going to get much faster. I've got to add that, you know, that speed work, that interval, interval training to run actually faster than what my pace is going to be during that race. That's actually my, my current goal that I want to work towards over the winter. I figure I'm probably going to end up on the treadmill a little bit more as the weather gets bad and I want to work on speed work treadmill you know hoping that come spring maybe i can take some time off of my 5k's i don't know if that's a good idea or well, it is. Idea to do it that way no it's not don't don't okay. look at my face okay. i'm i i'm old school okay old school i'm out so there. you don't like no the treadmill I, I, I call that thing a hamster wheel i, I, can't, I yeah. cannot i cannot cannot be on the treadmill it's it's just monotonous so I started running on the treadmill. So I, there's actually like a pond place in the park for the treadmill. Um, although in the nice weather, now I'm like, I don't really want to get back on it. But I know that I can get to the point where I'm like just lost in my music and running. And I was able to like set the pace on there for me yeah. rather than just pushing my body. For me, that was easier. And it, it, yeah. it is easier. It does. Yeah. The treadmill <clears throat> helps you. I mean, you just okay. think about it. Your foot hits the, hits the, the, the pad and it's carrying you. And then, right. then you come up, and then it's carrying you. So you un, until un, un, unle, unless you cannot keep up with it and get shot off right. the back, yeah. you know, which, which we see a lot sometimes. Yeah, yeah. you're, you're <laughs> yeah. working. You're, it's working with you, and it's helping you. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these treadmills now have you know built-in suspension in them, so you're not you're not getting the impact and the pounding that you would get if you were out in the roads. Uh, I've I've been very fortunate, and again, it's that's that same ideal that I had. If I'm not feeling it, I'm not going out. So. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't had the, the the pounding or the stresses or the, the, the injuries on my body that I've that I that some people have. Right. Uh, I've been very fortunate. Yeah, I have. You know, I think we're close to about the same age, but I kind of look back at at my running too. I've been extremely fortunate in not having many injuries, but I, I think you and I had the plantar fasciitis like right around the same time because we were sharing, you know, stories of how, you know, and how that can keep you from running and just, and I know exactly how it happened, but man, you just, the older that we get, the easier it becomes if you just, if you don't, you know, you just, that one little thing that you don't do right. and you can get injured. So. And, and that's the thing you have to get, now, now it's, it becomes a routine and I hate routine. <laughs> you know, I've got to warm up. I've got to massage my heels. I've got to massage my arches. I've got to stretch them. And this is all. And I'm one of those. I'm I'm the type of person that okay, you can't stretch a cold body. So I'm going to go out and run first. Mm-hmm. And that first mile is going to be eight and a half, nine minutes. And then the blood starts flowing. And then maybe I'll stop and touch my toes. Yeah, me too. And then then I'll start taking off and and start pushing the pace. But you know, but now I have to because I, I spent two years with, with plantar fasciitis. The first year was on my left foot. 
that healed and then started training and then it came on my right foot and I was like, okay, this, this is just a sign. Maybe I just need some time off. So is that an overtraining injury? Uh, it's, it's the shoe that you decide to put on your feet. Okay. Uh, not enough support. And, and as, as again, as we get older, uh, our arches start to flatten out okay. and that poor little tendon in there just gets stretched and then it gets scar tissue. And then that's, that's, that's the the pain, the pain. <laughs> yeah. and it, it's like a bad heel spur you know it's interesting because last week um Laz did two shows right in a row he did one on thursday and he did one on friday and we had two different opinions on running shoes one was it really makes basically no difference what you put on your feet um what's ever comfortable either run barefoot wear inexpensive shoes uh, and the other was get a really good pair of shoes uh, that are form-fitted. We've um, got a lot of varying opinions on how important so shoes are. I'm really confused at this point <laughs> um, because, you know, do I, do I get the best form-fitting shoes um, or can I go to um, the cheapest shoe nope. store? <laughs> no. Nope. I'll cut you off right there. Okay. Nope. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's uh, gait, how they plant their forefoot is different. Everybody's different. Okay. You've got some people that pronate, some people that supernate, and that's, that's just how their feet, when they strike, they either roll in or they roll out. Uh, a good shoe store will tell you to bring your old shoes in and they'll look at the wear. Uh, some people are very efficient on the striking and how the, the feet strike. Uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those fortunate ones that it doesn't matter what shoe I put on, I can get away with it. But it's just age that I need a little bit more support than I used to. So it's always good to find, to find those, those uh, specialty shoe stores. Dick's doesn't help you because all they're doing is moving shoes. Right. Uh, you got to go to a Fleet Feet, Second Sole, uh, Vertical Runner. Uh, I can't remember any of the others. Small specialty shoe stores and they will f they'll put you through a fit process to find you the shoe so as far as as far as uh making sure that there are no perfect or the best shoe out there it, you know what could work for you a nike could work for you a nike may not work for somebody else so there's so many different brands out there and usually a good shoe store specialty shoe store will bring out four different pairs and they'll all be different makes but the, they may have the same stability built in them. So it, then, it, then it becomes a fit and how it feels on your feet and how comfortable it does feel on your feet. I think the, you know, because John McCarroll had totally different opinion. It's kind of I did. We were on the same page. And then, um, you know, the doctor last week, she had a little bit of a different sure. opinion. I think what it really comes down to is just making sure that, you know, if you're a neutral runner, you're not in a maybe a total flexible shoe or a too much of a stability shoe. I think that's where a lot of people make the big right. mistake, you know, because for me, I need something very flexible um, or else it's going to cause me too much issues on my Achilles tendons. Right. That's, that's how they get injured. So, again, people just like will go to Dick's or whatever and they're just moving shoes. You're going to get something that doesn't work with you because they haven't looked at your gait. All they say is put the shoe on and walk to there and walk back. That's it, you yeah. know. And, and that's what I really appreciated the other day when I was walking on the treadmill, okay, and having 
you know, a trainer actually noticed my gait mm-hmm. and it was and it had nothing to do with my shoes, had nothing to do with anything other than he could tell that I was dehydrated and what a difference that made. Um, and by the way, I did get out of my trail shoes. I'm not nice. using trail shoes on, <laughs> not the, on the treadmill. Right? Yeah. So I'm not ruining the treadmill. Um, and I did get fitted properly for a pair of shoes. And in fact, I did something that Dr. Jennifer Wurst did suggest. I went to two different um, shoe stores that specialize in running shoes. I got their opinions. Um, and um, I didn't actually buy from either one of them because I did find the exact shoe that both of them were suggesting someplace else because neither one of them actually had my size, which was like really strange. Um, and I got it at a discount, uh, but they told me exactly what I needed and told me why I needed it, uh, which was very helpful. And I went back and thanked both of them and showed them and they both made sure that that shoe was actually fitting me properly. So, um, and what you did, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Runners, runners are very. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're very stuck in their way. Uh, I ran for Saucony for years, and that's the only thing that goes on my feet to this day. That's what I'm running in. I really love them. Yeah. And and they 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 took care of me, and they still take care of me. Yeah. Um. So, people, especially. As quickly as they, they now redesign or, or re-change a shoe uh, or upgrade it, some, some, some runners really like the old shoe because of just how it worked. And so you can go online. Uh, there's so many online shoe stores that may have that older model, and then you can just stock up in that older model. Right. So obviously you can also find them cheaper online too. But as long as you know what, what, what you, the information that you got from the shoe stores, I mean, you can go – Shop online all the time, and, and you just keep going until something happens, and they try to figure out what what happened, why, right. and maybe you need to change the shoe or the support in the shoe. It could be the same make, but the different model, or your foot changes. Y- yes. Yep. So when John McCarroll started running, now he's you know seventy one, seventy two years old. He was yeah. starting running leather shoes yeah. on the track. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the question is, you know, when you started running, what kind of shoe did you have? Because when I started running, it was just a pretty much a flat. Nike shoe that I would wear. They didn't have all these variations the that Nike they have these days. Daybreak. You remember the Nike Daybreak? It was kind of brownish, brownish color, beige color, and it had an orange swoosh. Uh, Asics. Back then they were called Tiger uh, GT that I ran in. And then the Nike Vancouver's, which was almost like a leather shoe, cross training shoe that I ran right. in. Yeah, there's the day breaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the day breaks. The, you know, and, and the, they were just coming around with the running shoes. And, they, and again, there wasn't, there wasn't the support in the shoes that there are there is now. And actually, what was it, almost two, three years ago, there was a movement where we were going back to running bare feet. You, know, you saw some of the shoes that had the toes in them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, vibrant. Like vibrant, yeah, yeah. A lot of shoes were walking around, kind of looking, going back to it. Because what had happened, it was there was too much support. Our, our feet do a lot of work as we stand there. You know, the tendons and the and ligaments are all doing this to keep us level. So when you take start taking that away, it it takes a, a part away of of how you stand and strengthening those 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 uh, tendons and ligaments that work together. Again, in the fitness world, 
we've gone back to being working on the core. All of a sudden, everybody was about the machines and everything, and now we're going back to balls, basics, sit-ups, push-ups, and all that because it's, it's, it's back to basics. And, and some of the shoes are going back to that way, not so much to the support. Mm-hmm. So your feet and everything else is doing what it needs to do in the, in the, originally. Because there's a tribe in Africa and there's a, there's a group of men in Mexico that do these 250-mile runs barefoot. There is actually a German I see in the middle of winter and during the summer that that's all he does. He's run, he runs barefoot. And in the wintertime, he runs on the road. And in the summertime, he's on the bike path. And he's wow. barefoot. See, that's what I like to hear. That's, ah, that's consistency. My face. Yeah. He, here in Cleveland, in he Cleveland, runs barefoot? Barefoot. I've seen him down. Oh. It's, Let's it's, all go outside and run barefoot right uh, now. No, thank you. <laughs> and see, it, it works for him because he's, he's trained and, and everything is there working mm-hmm. in conjunction for him to, to, have, to have the stability there that he doesn't need all that cushioning. If he was to put shoes on and try and run it, it'd most likely kill him. See, that's what you get from people that have been running for a long time because John said the same thing. It's like your feet send these signals to your brain, and if you're wearing the wrong kind of shoes that really kind of block those senses out, your brain doesn't know how to to comp. It doesn't know what your feet are trying to do, and that's how how you get injured. It's really funny you said that because doing this half marathon in the freezing cold, my feet were numb when I started running, and I was telling my running partner the whole time, I said, I can't feel my feet. I don't know if I'm going to lose my balance or, mm-hmm. you know, my feet were numb for, like, the first probably mile. I couldn't feel a thing, and I wonder if that affected me later. I wonder if not being able to even feel. Um, if, if your balance, right? You kind of felt a little bit off, yeah. yeah. I felt like I'm going to lose my footing. It was salted pretty well at the beginning and stuff, but I was like, I don't know if I'm going to lose my balance, but it was like my brain working with my feet, working with, but not being able to feel that was... Right. Um, you know, I found a the challenge other, I've never had before. So. I found the other day. And now I was on the treadmill when you were doing your run, uh-huh. and so I was, you the know, tr- time? probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably, um, and I was trying to, you know, think about you on your run. Yeah. But I had this woman who was on the treadmill next to me, and she made some sort of comment about the fact that I was changing the way I was walking, and I was trying to concentrate on feeling my feet on the treadmill and she said at one point you know you're doing that wrong and I said wrong I said I need to be prepared so that when I start getting back outside and walking and preparing to run because I haven't started running yet because I'm coming off of an injury I said I need to be able to feel the ground so what is wrong with that and she said that's not how you walk on a treadmill. I said, that's not how you walk on a treadmill. And I just found that very, very strange because I want, number one, especially on the treadmill, I want to feel it. I don't want the treadmill to take me away, like you were saying. I want to feel it, okay? If the treadmill's doing all the work for me, then what am I doing? Right, right. Um, to that point, everybody, everybody's different. They all have their own opinions on how people have asked me, you know, what is the best form? Yeah. Uh, I've worked with kids to help them with their form. And, and then one day uh, I was in Pittsburgh running the great race. It was a 10K, and it's called a point-to-point. So the starting point and the finish point are at, one, at opposite ends of each other. 
We took off the first mile and of course a bunch of Kenyans and then a bunch of non-Kenyans hit the first mile in 4.30. The Kenyans looked around and saw that there was still a bunch of non-Kenyans there and took off. <laughs> so then we did exactly that. We all looked around and we looked at them and it's like, are you kidding me? And as I'm looking at them, I've got some of the guys, their knees are coming in, knocking. Some of their arms are flaring off to the side. And some of their arms are just running from side to side. So at that point, it hit me. It's like their body is used to that. Their body's already compensating. So for them, there is no wasted motion because they're pulling away from me. And I've spent the last four years of my life working on this perfect form. <laughs> and they're pulling away. So... Again, I talk I, when I talk and t talk to the kids and I talk to the parents about form. It's like, yes, we can work on that, but they're not wasting any energy. They're not wasting any any form because their body's already used to that. And it's, it's so if their swing arms are swinging across their body, their body's not moving from side to side, and they're still going forward because their body's used to this. So we can we can work on those things, but. It, it's whatever makes them feel comfortable. Now, working on that is going to make them uncomfortable, and then it's going to be an adjustment for them. But for sprinters, yes, they like to have everything straightforward, up and down, and going straight fast. This is what I, another thing that I've noticed, too. If a lot of my researching forms and things like that online, I'll read something, I'll say, well, I should try doing that, and I'll try doing these things yeah. to tweak my form, and I am uncomfortable, and I am moving yeah. slower, not faster, and I am losing endurance and i'm like it's just better for me to run with joy yeah. and run comfortably and listen to my body um there are things that i do want to learn to do better you know maybe from someone like you but at the same time like i at least reading these things and watching videos none of that has ever helped me uh, none of that has ever helped me and improve you, my you hit the nail on the head there yeah. it's, it's about feeling comfortable yeah. and and you got to listen to your body if it's something that you want to really do, then it's got to be something at a time like now uh, where you can go on the treadmill and you can work on those things okay. slowly. So then, then when, you, when you hit the main streets and you hit the races or you're working out outdoors and it's time to work outdoors, it's something that you're used to. It, right. uh, something to make an adjustment during, as what they call during the season, it's, it's, it's a nail in the coffin because it's, it's too much work. And it's, more so it's a lot mentally than it is physically because yeah. it's something that you constantly have to think about. When you have to think about something, it, it doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah, I like to, I like to kind of get lost in my run when I'm There I'm you running. go. That's <laughs> it. Here's you know, your namaste. It was funny that you, you mentioned form, because some of these races, I think when the Kenyans come over to do these runs, they use them more for training runs, and then like the bigger races, those are the ones they really go after, because the money yeah. is a lot more. But when I did my marathon, Revco Marathon in 96, they started the marathon about 15 minutes before the 10K, and they would get probably like five elite 10K runners for that race. So we were about five miles into the marathon, which really was the same course as the 10K. All of a sudden, like a runner just comes blowing by us. Obis Andiecki, I think okay. his name was. He That mile from four to five, he ran a 412 mile. And he just made us look like we were standing still, you know, like, oh my gosh, I just felt so bad. You know, he just goes blowing by us, like, and nobody was even close to him. 
you know, at that point. So he, I think he just kind of like, okay, I'll just run for the first four miles and I'll just put the hammer down for the next two, you know? So I think he ended up doing 27 something for, for that 10 K, which was phenomenal. I mean, not the world record, but still just phenomenal for that race. You know, we do have some listeners and if you are listening in and you have questions for our guest and, or Alana or Laz, please feel free to call in at 440-922-6431. Uh, we're on till um, 11 o'clock, and we are willing to take your calls. So, again, that call-in number is 440-922-6431. Please don't be shy. I know you're listening because I can see you on the call board. No, no little hands waving. Hey, yeah, I'm, no, no little hey, no. hands waving, but I can see there's there's people listening in. Tell us about your Olympic experience. Oh, wow. I mean, it's not many times that, you know, we, we as get runners Olympic. get to yeah. meet an Olympian. <laughs> you know? it's, it's, it's 21 years. And how do I know it's 21 years? Because uh, my second son was born two weeks after closing ceremonies. Oh, wow. Um, surreal. Just absolute surreal. Because, it, you know, you, you, you spend so much time dreaming and then, and then when you're preparing for it that, that when, it's, when you're actually there, it's, you're just awestruck. Um, 96 was... It was, was Atlanta that year, yeah, right? Okay. It was in Atlanta. And... Uh, was actually living in Atlanta. I'd moved down there, working for uh, some family friends that we had met in uh, Florida at the time. Um, so '96 was a year that I got to travel the the world, uh, running, being like a, a big shot, but not really a big shot. <laughs> um, yes, you were in my eyes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the 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 acceptance and the following that is worldwide for this sport as that they call it athletics is just just uh unreal you're you're track and field runners distance runners just all the all the participants in in athletics are rock stars just yeah. literary rock stars and they just have such an appreciation because they understand what goes into it i have an appreciation for all sports and knowing what it takes to do to be at that level you know, because we're sitting there watching them on TV. So everybody deserves to be there because they've, they've worked hard to be there. So Too bad they can only take so many, though, you know? Yeah. Because so many people work so hard for that and just miss it by, by yeah. you know. Uh, 96 was my second go-around. I had, I had just missed qualifying in 92. 92, I would have loved to have gone. That was Barcelona. That was the first year of the Dream Team. Uh, for the listeners out there, I did not represent the U.S., although I sound like... Uh, an American. I'm actually British, born and raised. Came to the States in the late 70s and uh, finished high school at Lakewood and then went to Baldwin Walls College. Uh, and then I represented Jamaica as a distance runner. So I'm a unique being because Jamaican's not known for uh, distance runners. Uh, they actually have a core of distance runners over there. Uh, we went to South Africa. Uh, for the World Cross Country Championships, uh, South Africa at that point in time had just uh, abolished apartheid, so that they were allowed to participate in, in world world athletics, world sports in general. Uh, 
So us as a small sprint country was there as a distance crew running and meeting myself, meeting some of my idols uh, that I just watched on TV and same during the Olympics. Uh, I spent the time during the game since the marathon is the last day, last event. I spent my, my days around the village, uh, around the events, because we had you know free pass to go to the events, to watch all those obscure sports because back then NBC didn't have all these channels right. and they didn't you know so you wouldn't be able to you weren't able to watch all of the stations all of the events so the table tennis the badminton I went up to Tennessee and watched the the kayaking the white water rafting and the rowing uh, of course saw the diving and the swimming and then a couple games of the basketball because this was the second gen of the dream team uh, the gymnasts uh just it was still uh, still unbelievable um somewhere buried in in uh in the house um with my wife Dina down there are some videos that are you know 8 8 millimeter sony mm-hmm. that uh I'd, I'd like to show the kids um they of dealing with, I, I you, know, you call me royalty. <laughs> I, 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 I know it, it's a lot of work, and I and I got there, and a lot of people are, are happy to meet an Olympian. Uh, my kids deal with it at school, and I just I see the look on on their friends' faces like <laughs> wide-eyed, like they're meeting Michael Jordan. But you know, it's 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 not the same, you know. It's it's not the same. I, I, it is to us in the running community. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty huge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the nice thing now is I have uh, two of my sons. Uh, I was going to ask you about your sons. Uh, they want to run in the Olympics. Oh, how amazing is that? So um, all I could tell them that there's there are a lot of sacrifices ahead of them. A lot of sacrifices. Uh, there's a lot of things that I gave up, uh, you know, especially in college, you know, because it's, it's, you know, that independence and, you know, you're on your own. But I had my mindset, you know, I didn't have time for girls. I didn't have time for drinking, partying. It, it was, you know, school and, and running. Um, the scariest thing and one of the things I share with a lot of, uh, a lot of kids and, and adults that feel that they kind of achieve their goals, and I tell them to write it down. Um, the gentleman that recruited me to BW, his name was Sparky Adams. Uh, he passed away right after, just before my junior year, or my senior year, and the gentleman, Coach Tarashki, that coached me to the Olympics, uh, also took over from the program and coached me at BW. We used to go up to Sparky's uh, cabin in, in uh, Canada, during cross country and we put in like 120 miles worth of training and then the last day would go to his his place and his wife would host us and then they had this tree stump like a coffee table which everybody would carve in there she had sent me a card to the olympic village and card said hey nels i'm so proud of you sparky's looking down at you smiling you know that one of his runners has made it to the Olympics, and you'd always talked about how you were going to go. But do you remember what you wrote on our coffee table? Uh, and I'm like reading, I was like, I had no idea what I wrote. 
So you wrote down, Nils, this is what you wrote on our coffee table. You said, Nils Antonio, 1996 Olympian. Not 92, 96. Nice. So I tell, my, I tell, I tell people out there, I says, you know, if, if there's something that you want to retain, you have to write it down. Because subconsciously, it sat back in the back of my head for all that time. And of course, in, in 96, I ended up representing Jamaica in the Olympics. Well, before we kind of run out of time, I just want to read a couple of things. So reached out to actually your wife, Dina, and said, you know, can you say oh. some words about oh. Mills? And so her words were, you know, hi, hard to put into words what he means to me. He is a source of strength and support that is immeasurable. He is always positive and encouraging. He believes in you in ways that make you believe in yourself. He is an incredible athlete, father, husband, man. He is a true inspiration. His journey is inspiring and should be shared, which we're trying to do today. Um, I also got a note from his son, Zachary. Oh, wow. He says, not only is he the best dad I could ask for, but he's an amazing coach, motivator, and gives amazing life advice. He's been through so much in his life, and he just keeps on pushing through. I know he wished he could have provided more for us, but I couldn't ask for much more of a loving, caring dad <laughs> that is also a great coach and gets along with all my friends. I have, or I've had quite the adventure in my athletics, and he has stood by me all the way through, all the blood, sweat, and tears. He was there for me, helping me. He's helped me to become the athlete I am today. Oh. Best father a son could ask for. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So... That's not oh. fair. Huh? That's not fair. Why is that not fair? You, you, you didn't warn That me. is all right. <laughs> That's why you got to do it. It's got to do it as a surprise. That's awesome. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh. That is wonderful. So, and we are so proud to have you on our show. Thanks. Absolutely. There's, there's, there's one part of that uh, of the journey that uh, that has that started. Uh, Laz has seen some of my posts on Instagram. A lot of people are trying to figure out what this journey is. And... Meb Kofleski has, has been a, a, a huge role model and uh, inspiration to me. So after watching him run his last marathon, I looked at Dina and I asked her, what do you think the world record is for my age group in the marathon? Uh, and that would be next year in the fall at 55. So, of course, thanks to technology, I went onto the internet <laughs> and looked it up. So the world record which was set in 1986 by some guy in the Netherlands, can't even pronounce his name, and the, the world record is two hours, 25 minutes, and 56 seconds for a 55-year-old. That's phenomenal. So my goal is to run two hours and 25, which would be one minute slower than I've run my personal PR at 30 something that I'm gonna try and do at 55. So that's what the wow. new journey is. Uh, well, hopefully be posting about your train. I'd love to, uh, to see that as you go along. Uh, and so, yes, that's why the video this morning with, with the Instagram post to Facebook, uh, that's why. And eventually I think on Facebook, I'm gonna put a video out there because people are trying to figure out, well, what's this journey? We always see Nils post his runs, but he's talking about this journey. So this is the new journey, the journey awesome. that that I've set for myself to set a world record as an age group. Well, look at this. I got this the other day. 71-year-old sets blazing fast mile world record on low mileage. Ran a 529 mile 
on his 72nd birthday. John McCarroll actually ran against this guy in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah, he said even back then. But, you know, 529, that's probably not much far off of what he ran in high school. Well, he's probably more like a four-minute miler, but... You know, gives me something to shoot for because I'm 55, so maybe at 70 I could try to set a record there. Hey, can you imagine what I'm going to do in my first 5K? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to finish. That's right. That's Sky's right. You know, that is so true with the, yeah. with yeah. the technology we have today, the training and all that. I mean, the older that we get, a lot of people don't really look forward to to getting older, you know, but you still have so many things that you can actually accomplish, um, you know, as you get older. It's not in running, you know, it's it's not a death sentence getting older because there's so many runners out there that are 65, 70 years old that are running faster than me. You know, shame on me for getting beat by some <laughs> other people, but you know, just makes me want to do better. Like the article said on on lower mileage. So we, as we get older, we get wiser and smarter. Uh, my training has changed. It's no longer the, I mean, I'd run six days a week. I'd average 150 miles a week back in the day, two days, two day runs, two a days. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I feel that I can get away with this on 80 miles a week. Uh, a lot of cross training. I've taken up a lot of cycling, uh, which I was doing a lot of over the summer, just, just so my body can take the pound and I'm, I'm about ready to give it uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to drop significant weight uh, sorry Dina <laughs> <laughs> uh, stop cooking all that good food huh? <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I'm, I'm going to actually maybe look like I did 20 years ago so it's 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 going to be interesting it's going to be quite the challenge uh, I've gone from uh, we have a we have a newborn she's she's Nina she's going to be 15 uh, sorry 14 months a couple days um, so that has curtailed my running a bit, but, uh, now, you know, again, none of this is possible. The Olympics would never have been possible without the first go around and, and the support that I had back then. Uh, again, now I have another young lady in my, in my, in my corner and my, my kids that, uh, are going to be rooting for me. And... Uh, as much as I'd like, people have been asking me where I'm going to do this. I would love to do this somewhere close so that they could see it. Absolutely. You know? yeah. and, and again, to the running community out there, so they could see it and witness yeah. it. Uh, because this, this, this running community, the running community that's out there is, is tight and loyal and very, very supportive. My kids think I'm famous. They, they think I'm famous. <laughs> yeah. Because everywhere we go, there is somebody that knows me who i ran against who coached against me or whatever you know zach's gone through it when he goes to the track meet so do it's, you it's do you keep in touch with a lot of the runners from back in the day because that was like when you know i were running in cleveland i mean you get all these runners names that you don't really see doing races anymore so i don't know if they just got burned out from it but like fred keezer he'll get out and do maybe one or two races a year and his speed is still the same you know, you can go out and seem like you jog a race and you're running, you know, seven-minute miles or whatever, and that's just easy for you. Well, well, Fred, 
Uh, we share the same birthday, so uh, I call him the brother from another mother. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've actually shared some of the big meets. We've shared hotel rooms together. But, you know, he's a, he's, he's a family man now. You know, he's got a, he's got a young son. Right. Uh, uh, he, he wants to be there. You, it goes by so quick. You know. Yeah. Uh, I have a 24-year-old and a 21-year-old. Then I have 18. He's getting ready to go to college and a 16-year-old. You know, you turn around and it, it, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So... You, you, you take a step back from yourself and you want to be there for them. So, you know, it's not about you anymore. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a good about, way to put it's, it. It's, yeah. it's, it's about the kids. So that's where they, they're not, they're not gone. They're just, you know, in, in the shadows. And then when we feel it's time, it's right. We step up. It's hard. It's very hard. It's very hard to, to give up something that's so much a part of your life. And then when you're, when you've been racing and you've been at that level, you know, because I, I tell Dina, it's like, oh, it's so funny because when I first started running, it was, okay, let me run. And then the success started coming. So now I'm winning my age group. And then I go from winning my age group to winning races. So then, now you're in your twilight of your life. And so now you go from winning races to just winning your age group. And now you go from, from winning your age group to just finishing. <laughs> so it's like that circle of right, life right. That, that happens in your, in your running career. And it's, it's, sometimes it's a blow to the ego. And you still think you can go up there and run and compete with, with some of them, but you know sometimes you just say it's you've had your time. It's time for these young ones to right. to either learn or just say, hey, you know, there's a legend. Some people say, mm-hmm. you know, that that was part of this Cleveland Cleveland movement because we had a movement. There's there's so many good runners that have come from this this area. Yeah. That uh, Emily Emfield. You know, look what she's doing. Right. You know, I like following her on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Look what she's doing out there in Oregon. And she was just back in town visiting her family. We, I, I, I love the running community because I feel that we are so humble because we work so hard. We work so hard and we put up with so much crap, especially if you live in Northeast Ohio. That is such a common theme on the show. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm a newer runner, really. I, Because it's all relative. Yeah. You're still putting yeah. in the time. You're yeah. still out there yeah. pounding the pavement. You're still doing the work. Yeah. You know, because I tell people, people say, well, you know, you're different. You're out. I'm, st- I'm out there doing it just like you. Right. Yeah. I still question myself. I bent over, doubled up. I was like, why am I doing this? What's wrong with me? Right. And then click, hey, I know why I'm doing this. Yeah. I wanted to ask you before we run out of time, but I remember on the, uh, the turkey trot this year, I saw you there. And you were there with your sons, I think, mm-hmm. and you guys all ran the race together. How do you how do you emotionally feel about that running? Because I run with my daughter, so it's you know, and my grandson. I push them in the stroller. It's fantastic to me. I mean, it's it's got to feel like because I know your sons are probably faster than you now, but maybe not in your heyday. But you know, <laughs> okay, you've talked to Zach. He'll probably say, "Yeah, I'm faster than Dad right now." Actually, Zach, 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 uh, he made a post. He said. Uh, most likely, uh, still have a father that, that that can actually still beat me in a 5K. Well, you know, my, my two boys are sprinters, so that mindset is, although they they grew up running distance, um, it's great to share. I mean, they they they're around again. They go to track meets and they go to these races and they, he nails, he nails, he nails, he nails, he nails. You know, they they see all these people that that know me and I get to share that with them. 
and the love I'm, for this community that I have and the love that they have for me. Uh, it's, it's like NASCAR, you know, because you get to see the Earnhardts racing with each other. You get to see the Petties race with each other before, you know, the older Petty retires and right. then runs a show. Uh, you know, they get, to, they get to be a part of that, that limelight that, 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 that is for us running. Uh, so yes, it's it's great that I've, 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 I'm able to ex- share and experience that with them. Uh, Genevieve, who is uh, my 11 year old, uh, 12 year old, sorry, oh my gosh, yeah. sorry Genevieve. Um, she's my one distance runner. She had cross country. She ran this fall in middle school and enjoyed it. And, and again, here had some success making it to the varsity and as a seventh grader and the only underclassman that made it. That's amazing. So again, what I tell her is like, you have that athletic ability, just like I've told your boys, you have that athletic ability, but you still have to work hard. You don't have to work as hard as the other person that's trying to chase you, but just imagine if you do work as hard as they do, Mm -hmm. you are now another level above them. Right. So you still have to put in the work. There are no... One thing I love about this and one thing that, that these guys have learned from it, all my kids have learned, there are no shortcuts. In the society of a now society where everything is right there and there's a shortcut for everything, there are no shortcuts in sports. You've got to put the work in right. or you're going to get hurt. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <sighs> Thank you. We have an Olympic <laughs> personality in our presence today. How amazing is that? Will you come back again? Love to. We would love to have you. Love to. Um, Well, this is the last time we're doing this show from 10 to 11, but it's not the last time we're doing this show. We are moving to a new time slot from 3 to 4 on Thursdays, um, which we're really excited about because we'll be like drive time talking about running. And a lot of people like to run late in the afternoon so they can listen to us on uh New Cleveland Radio, using the TuneIn app as they're running so we can motivate them um, along the way. So um, between now and next week, uh, get your running fix in. You can listen to us. Just go to newclevelandradio.net. You can find all the shows there. And in the meantime, have a great day. And um, we're sorry we didn't get Lily on today. She could have talked about her running experience, but maybe another day uh, because she'll be on vacation, so we'll bring her back in. So have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye.